Well, it is 2021 nominations morning. Um, it, the sun has not even come up here on the West Coast, but that's not stopping us from giving you A plus coverage of the 2021 Oscar nominations. I'm Marcus James Dixon. I'm here with Zach Laws and Daniel Montgomery. And I guess the big takeaway is Mank with 10 nominations. It's the only film to get 10 or more. Um, but is does that necessarily mean it's the front runner? Uh, who wants to jump in with, with that leading question? Uh, I'll jump in because the answer is pretty decisively no. Um, <laughs> not that it's impossible for it to win Best Picture, but like it missed Best Editing and Birdman is the only film in the last 30 some odd years to win Best Picture with an added editing nomination. Even Green Book got an editing nomination. Um, and it, I think the bigger one is missing best writing, uh, best original screenplay for uh, Jack Fincher. Um, this is a movie about a screenwriter. It's a movie with a cons like with with it's dialogue heavy. It's it's not like you know one of those movies you wouldn't expect to get a screenplay nomination. Uh, this is a movie that if it was a top contender, you'd think it would be an obvious screenplay contender. And it had the um, narrative because David Fincher's father wrote it, and then he died before yeah. they could get it, you know, made. Yeah, it's such a weird thing, but yeah, I feel like those two take it pretty much out because I think no film has won without a writing nomination since Titanic. Well, uh, yeah, that's true, and I mean it is really sad. Um, I know there's a lot of like mank hate out there. Um, I, I'm personally a big fan of it, and you know it really is. It, it almost seems cruel for them to nominate it in ten categories and not nominated in screenplay, when you consider that the entire reason that David Fincher made this movie was to honor his late father. And, you know, it, it feels almost like a slap in the face. Now, all things considered, the five screenplays that were nominated are really good screenplays. Um, so th there's nothing in there that you could say like, well, that should not be there um, in place of Mank. But, you know, it, it really does hurt its chances. Um, even though it is the only, like, I, I, I was counting up the uh, nominations for each film and um, there's nothing that even comes close to the amount of bids that it got. It's so funny because last year we had um, four films that got double digit nominations. Um, and this year we only have one. And it's, I, I think maybe in like fifth place at best. Um, so here, here's the list of, of what you're referring to. So Mank is at 10, and then we have six movies at six nominations apiece. We have The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Nomadland, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. And then we have two at five. We have Promising Young Woman, and we have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And of all those movies I just mentioned, Ma Rainey is the only one to not get a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, which is surprising too, because um, it was just last week where um, I, I'm going to have to eat my words on this one, where I said it's about in sixth place, right? Because it's going to win maybe three Oscars and um, it's going to get multiple nominations across the categories. Um, and the fact that it ended up with only five is, um, is really surprising. I mean, when it missed writing, um, the writing was on the wall in terms of it <laughs> it's, um, getting into best picture. But yeah, I mean, it, this is a movie that I thought would be second to Mank in terms yeah. of its nominations. And it's, it's 
in third. It's, it's tied for third. It's also a little bit cruel because next year they're going to 10, like a flat 10. And it's like, well, why not, why not do that this year? Like, we're only nominating eight. They could have nominated 10. They could have nominated Ma Rainey and maybe One Night in Miami or News of the World, uh, maybe even Soul. But they decided, no, we just want eight. We're going we're gonna to leave two movies off the list this year. Yeah, and it's doubly conspicuous because of, you know, and I'm writing an article about, like, because it, it's an amazing year for diverse nominees for acting, um, and the, uh, the Academy is going to crow about that for a while, uh, and, and rightly so to an extent. Like, it's, like, Black and Asian representation in those acting categories is, is kind of remarkable, uh, given the history. Um, but it's sort of like, like we were discussing this before we started recording, it's sort of like Beyonce at the Grammys, where Beyonce wins 20, it has 20 Grammys more than any other woman in history, uh, but she's never, she almost never wins the top categories, and in this case, you had, a, you know, a, a lot of the films about uh, uh, Black characters and from Black filmmakers were snubbed for Best Picture, so no to Five Bloods, it only got in for writing, or, or for, uh, for a score. Uh, no One Night in Miami, which got three nominations. Uh, no Ma Rainey, which got five nominations. The only film with a Black lead and a Black filmmaker is Judas and the Black Messiah that got into that top category, which is really, if you look back at, you know, just earlier in the season, that would have seemed wild. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it is a little bit of a mixed bag. And you have to imagine that that film, Ascending, is what made those other three films um, mm. descend in terms of their best picture chances. So, I mean, like, we have to take our victories where we get them to a certain extent. And Like, you know, it is an amazing year for diversity in the acting and directing and writing categories. Um, majority non-white men nominated in Best Actor for the very first time. Anthony Hopkins and, um, and Gary Oldman are nominated alongside um, Chadwick Boseman, who's of course the front runner to win, and uh, Stephen Yun and Riz Ahmed, first time two Asian actors have ever been nominated in that category um, in the same year. Um, two black women nominated in Best Actress for the first time in almost 50 years um, with Viola Davis and Andre Day. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it is like, I knew that The Five Bloods was, was sinking. My heart got up when Terrence Blanchard was nominated. I thought to myself, okay, it's gonna make a comeback. Uh, mm -hmm. Spike's getting in, Delroy's getting in, the movie's going to get in, and then just category after category after category, it never came back up again. Um, I had a suspicion that One Night in Miami was a little vulnerable, but I still had it in my top 10. I had it even ranked above the father. Um, I, I got all eight Best Picture nominees correct, but you know, you're, you're allowed to make 10 at Gold Derby. Um, and I had both One Night in Miami and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom in there because I at least thought Ma Rainey's was, was a sure thing. Well, let's talk about those acting races in terms of, we can talk about who we want, who we think will win now. And for weeks I've been saying actor and supporting actor are locked up. Chadwick Boseman for actor, Daniel Kaluuya for supporting actor. But there, there is a little wrinkle here in supporting act, actor. And that is the fact that his co-star Lakeith is also nominated, which in our prediction center, he's the only one we didn't call. So 
if you just went by the odds in Gold Derby's Prediction Center, you would have got 19 out of 20 acting, acting nominees correct. Um, so Daniel, what do you think about this whole, is there a vote split for supporting actor? We always talk about vote splits. I don't think so. I think when you have a really strong contender, which Daniel is, it's, it's not gonna, Lakeith is not gonna steal enough votes to keep uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya from winning. Um, I think that's probably right. Um, I think, you know, especially because Daniel Kluge is the only one of them who was, has been getting in at all these other awards like, uh, like the Golden Globes, SAG Awards, Critics' Choice. Uh, uh, like he's, he's the clear momentum on his side um, uh, and he'll probably keep winning uh, like SAG and BAFTA. Um, and so that momentum will probably be enough. It's just weird. You know, and, and like the fact that we even have the possibility of a vote split for best supporting actor between the two title characters of a film <laughs> for supporting actor. It's like, the, like I understand the strategy of it, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, pushing Daniel Kaluuya supporting because, you know, you can see the film as, as Lakeith Stanfield's story, but there's, there's no, and they were campaigning him as a lead. So like the Academy went out of their way yeah. to put him in supporting, even though these are the two clear lead actors of the film. I don't know how, how they manage it. Like they're more the leads of that movie than Viola Davis is in Ma Rainey, who was nominated for Best Actress. And it's, so it's, it's, it's really, really bizarre. But I, so I do think there is a chance of a vote split, but I don't know if there's a clear enough alternative to benefit from that. Like, I feel like maybe some people would go with Sasha Baron Cohen, some might go with Leslie Odom, uh, some might go with Paul Racy, who, you know, who's in a Best Picture nominee now, and, and that film did, uh, you know, as well or better than we expected, so. Yeah, this, it's is, just the weird. First, <laughs> this is the first time in, what, a dozen years that they ignored an Oscar campaign, and that was Kate Winslet, the reader. We always wonder yeah. if they're going to do it. With Carol, we thought they might do it, but this is the first official time they've done it since that. And it's the first time they've done it in this direction, because it's usually someone campaigned and supporting, and they're like, no, you're a lead. Like, you know, Kate Winslet and Keisha Castle-Hughes in Whale Rider. Uh, so now it's just like, you know, like, no, no, you're not the lead title character with the most screen time in the movie. <laughs> Uh, you're supporting too. <laughs> I, I guess it was one of those things where they said, hey, everybody can go supporting. And maybe Dominic Fishback was considered the lead of the movie. That's why she didn't get nominated. <laughs> no, no, Martin Sheen was the right. lead actor of, <laughs> of Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> oh, God, could you imagine? Um, yeah, I actually sort of think this helps Lakeith. Uh, excuse me. I think Lakeith being nominated helps Daniel Kaluuya because it shows an overwhelming support for the movie. Mm -hmm. um, like we knew that Kaluuya was a, a done deal. And I think the reason why you, um, we, we didn't uh, predict all 20 uh, acting contenders is because I don't believe that Lakeith was even in our um, prediction I don't think center he was. supporting. Yeah, he was he in was lead. lead for us, yeah. Um, so yeah, we couldn't have predicted him there uh, even if we wanted to. But um, I feel like Judas, uh, Judas is like the big overperformer of the day in a lot of ways because it got into places like cinematography where it was sort of on the bubble um unless you were like me and predicted it um but <laughs> that's one of the only times i'm going to uh to pat myself on the back today in terms of my predictions but um i feel like the fact that he's in there isn't going to be a, a vote split 
situation because um, Kaluuya has, you know, he's, he's won the Golden Globe. He's won Critics' Choice. He's probably going to win SAG. Uh, and he's at, at BAFTA, right? I mean, I can never, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's probably going to win BAFTA. And everything. Yeah, I think that it's just, you know, he's going to sweep throughout the season. Um, where I wonder um, about there being a potential upset now is in Best Actor because of the father overperforming like it did, getting into Best Picture where it was sort of, you know, ranked low in our odds, but also getting into um, not just uh, supporting actress and screenplay where we were all predicting it, but also film editing where it missed out at the Guild, production design where it missed out at the Guild. Um, this movie's a major contender and um, Hopkins could very easily win BAFTA and Bozeman, you know, is in a movie that, like we've been saying, has underperformed, you know, did not get into a, a ton of categories that we were predicting. So, I mean, I don't know. Is there, is there an opportunity there for an upset? No. <laughs> okay, I, fine. Well, <laughs> I, I think there is. And I think it's also, there's also the case that uh, they didn't nominate Chadwick Bozeman for Defy Bloods uh, where, they, where they could have, um, which is, in large part because clearly not many Academy members saw *The Five Bloods*, um, yeah. but it seemed like if there was like if sentiment was driving a lot of it, um, then he would have gotten the two. <clears throat> like he got at 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 SAG, he got four at SAG because he's nominated for both ensembles too. Um, so I, I I that also does help him in a way because now there's one option if you want to vote for Chadwick Boseman. I think he's still the front runner, but I think you know with uh, you know, literally every other actor in his category being a Best Picture nominee uh, does put a little bit of a question mark on it because you gotta be wary of it. You know, just Anthony Hopkins, Riz Ahmed, uh, you know, Gary Oldman's not gonna win, but Stephen Yen probably not gonna win, but again, Best Picture nominees and not Ma Rainey, mm-hmm. so. Um, speaking of Ma Rainey, Viola Davis got nominated for Best Actress, as did Carrie Mulligan, Frances McDormand, Andrea Day, Vanessa Kirby. I've been saying Carrie Mulligan for a while, even though that weird BAFTA snub happened. Uh, I'm just going to ignore that and pretend it didn't happen because I think <laughs> she is going to win SAG and she's going to win the Oscar. But what do you guys think? Am I, am I, am I wrong to discount that BAFTA snub or not? I kind of feel like this is this became a race between Carrie Mulligan and Frances McDormand. Oh, um, because could, of BAFTA? Yeah, because of BAFTA, where I think she's going to win over Vanessa Kirby, um, because Nomadland performed generally better overall. Um, you know, the Nomadland and Promising Young Woman are the only movies that got in for directing, acting, writing, and film editing right? Those sort of like those main uh, categories that we look at in terms of what's going to make a best picture winner. Um, I think, so that, that is what makes the two of them feel like they're like the main competitors for this prize. I know Andre Day won the Golden Globe, um, but that's the only thing she's won and she's not nominated at SAG or BAFTA, so she has nowhere else that she can compete. And she's the only nomination for her movie, as is uh, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Um, there's a, a chance that uh, somebody like Viola Davis could upset at SAG. 
Mm-hmm. Um, since they like loved her. SAG loves her. They love the movie more than the Academy did. But, you know, I would say to Carrie Mulligan, watch out for Frances McDormand because she's in a movie that, um, you know, I would say is the best picture front runner. Um, I don't, you know, I think that Minari is neck and neck with it, depending on how SAG Ensemble goes and, and how all the other guilds start chiming in. Um, but McDormand is the heart and soul of this movie. And for people who don't realize that she's also a producer on the film um, and would win an Oscar either way, I could see, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility for them to mark her down for a third. Yeah, I think, um, I think Viola Davis did get hurt by Ma Rainey's underperformance. Um, and I do think it's probably now two race between Carrie and Francis as well. I do think Carrie has a decisive advantage uh, just because uh, not only is uh, Nomadland, uh, is she a producer on it, which gives her a chance to win that way. Um, but it's also, it also feels like the narrative around Nomadland is, is Chloe Zhao, um, whereas the narrative around Promising Young Woman, uh, while Emerald Fennell is also uh, for, for directing and writing uh, is, a, is a huge part of it, so much of it is Carrie Mulligan. Uh, and and her as the centerpiece of this movie and and just the anger and 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 trauma that that her character is processing in that film uh that i feel like it's much more where you go to support promising young woman and uh director and maybe picture are where you go to support nomadland well i will say i also have um promising young woman predicted to win original screenplay um And Nomadland is my prediction for adapted screenplay. So, you know, that, that makes the movies feel even more neck and neck for me. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know if it's ever happened before to have women win both writing races, but I do know that no woman has won either writing race since Diablo Cody. <laughs> yeah. It's been 13 years, 13 or 14 years since a woman has won, even not even a female co-writer on a film with, multiple male writers or something uh has not no woman has won for writing in in more than a decade so uh, i think we're almost guaranteed to get at least one (laughs) yeah (laughs) even you know even if if chloe zhao is upset for screenplay it could be emerald you know even if emerald loses you know chloe so we'll see what happens it could it could it could could still go to all dudes (laughs) (laughs) so a best supporting actress is probably the most exciting acting race we've had at the Oscars in years. And I just want to mention the nominees, Yejun Yoon, Minari, Olivia Coleman, the father, Maria Bakalova, Borat to Amanda Seyfried, Mank, and Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy. When Maria Bakalova's name came on, it was the very first nominee announced today in any category. And I, I could just hear Charlie Bright screaming from Washington, D.C. He was so excited. Um, who do you think is winning this? This is a crazy category just because of a lot of these people have been snubbed at previous uh, precursors. And right now the odds as of yesterday, they said that Yajan Yoon was going to win. And I kind of agree with that, but I may be able to be swayed. Yeah. I, I first off, I want to thank you for not saying the entire title of the Borat oh, film. Gosh. How was uh, because God, it was God so, bless. it took so long. Like half of the nominations presentation was announcing that film for best screenplay, just because yeah. every every word <laughs> in the title and every writer on that, all fifty writers on that film, 
<laughs> they're still reciting the names for best uh, adapted screenplay. God bless uh, Priyanka Chopra Jonas for um, she because she had both of those categories um, mm -hmm. with Borat, and um, so you know, she had a mouthful. But also, she got to announce her um, White Tiger uh, writer director Ramin Barani uh, for his nomination there, which mm -hmm. is is pretty pretty cool, I would say. As a yeah, Ramin I, I, I love I love Ramin Barani, and I was I, I wrote an article earlier. Uh, last week uh, speculating like there, there's usually like a lone screenplay nominee and it's usually a lot of times it's a really cool nominee like like you know films like The Lobster, 20th Century Women, Margin Call, these really films that get really great writing nominations and get in nowhere else and this year that's The White Tiger. So, but supporting actress though, we, we kind of uh, got off topic because I don't think any one of us <laughs> wants to say who we're predicting right now. <laughs> Well, what I will that? say that the, okay. Yeah, you go for it. Who, me? Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, this, what makes this race so weird is that the Globe winner is not nominated. Um, Jodie Foster for the Mauritanian. Um, I, it's, it's strange to say that she is the Aaron Taylor Johnson of this season, but yeah. there you go. Um, so that, that throws a wrinkle in it. I think that, um, you know, Minari, uh, it didn't overperform, but, you know, it did get those six nominations. And the editing snub. Really yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Um, and cinematography, too. I just, I, mm -hmm. I had it predicted there because I just thought it was so beautiful to look at and it would be recognized. But, um, you know, it is a Best Picture frontrunner. Um, she could win at SAG and BAFTA. But also, um, Maria Bakalova is the story of the year, right? And um, she's this fresh newcomer um, who's in a movie that they liked well enough to give a writing nomination. Um, nothing else, though. So I could see this being a neck-and-neck -neck race between the two of them. But... Um, Your girl Glenn. I, I know. And this season has been so weird. Just I, I could see her winning this without winning any other precursor. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> especially since um, her 1988 rival, Jodie Foster, is no longer in the running. Um, but I really think, uh, you know, um, Olivia Coleman is helped by the father overperforming and hurt by the fact that she's not nominated at BAFTA. Um, I think Amanda Seyfried, we could all agree, is, is maybe in fifth place. Um, even though her movie got the most nominations of any person in the category, it's just... Um, watch her be like the winner for me. Wouldn't that be just so bizarre? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that would be all that surprising. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, I I would say the front runner is is Ya Jung Yoon uh, for Minari. She's the only person who's gotten everything, at least nominations. She hasn't won uh, yet, uh, but it, you know that's Maria's a Mark got, Rylance situation. I think, I think Maria Bakalov has gotten everywhere too. Well, Ya Jung Yoon um, was snubbed at the Globes. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. Right. But she's gotten everything since then. Yeah, yeah. Maria has as well. I, I don't. I don't. I still don't think Maria is Brokolova is going to be their thing uh, for the win. Um, I think maybe the closest threat is still Olivia Coleman. Uh, I don't put as much stock mm -hmm. in the BAFTA snub just because of the way they voted for their acting nominations this year, um, and I think Glenn Close could could still get it just because. 
like looking at this category and the way it's fluctuated over the whole season, like voters could just throw up their hands and go like, fine, here, just take it. <laughs> it will be really sad if, if Glenn Close loses again, because I think, um, and you know, I apologize if my, uh, my history is wrong here because I was up very early this morning. Um, I, you know, with her eighth nomination, I think she is like the most nominated actor without a win at this point. Um, yeah. Richard Burton and Peter O'Toole both had seven um and died with without winning and um it'll be so sad to just to watch her lose again i, I really you know uh, uh, say what you will about hillbilly elegy but like glenn close should have one oscar she should have had he was the best part now. of the movie yeah i actually liked hillbilly elegy i didn't love it but she, i came away from that thinking okay if glenn close finally wins an oscar for this who would who would say no like who would be like she doesn't the Razzies. <laughs> she would be That's... the first, I, I, she might be like it wouldn't be the first film to like win a Razzie and an Oscar but like I can't I don't think anyone has won an Oscar for a performance mm-hmm. they also got a Razzie nomination for not that they're that relevant in terms of predicting you know the Oscar result but it's it's such an unusual circumstance the Razzies uh, just that, did that to to get publicity they they aren't they don't think that she was giving a bad performance well they also didn't have a whole lot to choose from as uh, somebody who looked at their their nominating ballot <laughs> so um but yeah you're right i mean I, like nominating glenn close for a razzie is is just you know some next level trolling yeah <laughs> i will say the weird the weirdest thing about best supporting actress in the oscar nominations is after this entire season how nothing was really surprising like you know i I mean like maria bakalova might have been on the bubble because this is their kind of film but she got in uh uh, glow seemed vulnerable because that film is uh shall we say not popular with uh critics um uh, but she got in uh you know everyone else had missed one place or the other and they all got in who we were kind of expecting would get in so like yeah, there was nothing left field in Best Supporting Actress, which seems like this is the only place in the Oscar season where nothing left field happened in Best Supporting Actress. Well, we kind of skipped over director, but I mean, Chloe Zhao has that locked up, right? I mean, is there anyone that could possibly take her down here? There was a surprising nomination though, Thomas Vinterberg, another round. Yeah. He was in 10th place in our Gold Derby predictions. I'm so mad at myself because I knew Sorkin wasn't going to get nominated. I just couldn't decide between putting in either Thomas Vinterberg or Darius Martyr. I ended up going with Darius Martyr, and I'll never forgive myself. But um, considering how well, <laughs> considering how well Sound of Metal performed overall, I, I, I'm not going to be too hard on myself for picking him. Um, yeah, I, I think that you know the, the noteworthy story is the fact that this is the first time in history that two women have been nominated. And, um, you know, every single year we talk about like, who's gonna get that female director slot as if there's only one that can be allocated. And um, I hope that this can just put an end to that as a conversation point forever. And just, it can, yeah. it can be women are competing for best director and there's no limit on how many will be nominated in a given year. Now, knowing the Academy um, and how it took, like, <laughs> how after Catherine Bigelow won, it took another eight years for them to nominate another woman. 
Um, mm-hmm. Despite like nominating films directed by women for Best Picture, I, I'm not going to keep my hopes up too much about them um, following through with that for a while. But um, again, like we, we have to take our victories where we can get them. And um, the fact that both Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennell are nominated this year and the fact that Chloe Zhao is the front runner to win, I think is very significant and um, should, should bode as a sign of encouragement for women filmmakers everywhere. Yeah, I think, I think Chloe has it sewn up. I do think, I, I do too worry that like we're gonna have, like, cause the Oscars have done it before in other arenas where like there's like this really unfortunate snapback like after the 12 Years a Slave win, the It's Time narrative, and it won Best Picture, like there was a sense that the Oscar voters like mission accomplished because the very next year was Oscars so white. So <laughs> it was, you know, we, 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 could, we could end up with just an, an entirely male slate again uh, next year, uh, potentially, uh, you know, because women are still underrepresented as directors in general. So you can't get nominated if you're not, uh, you know, even in the race. So, uh, you know, it's, it's too early to tell because I, I honestly have no idea what's been in the running for this coming year other than what was delayed from this year, like films like Dune and West Side Story and In the Heights. All um, Mills is directed by men. By men. <laughs> um, <laughs> the 2022 Oscars are too male already. We're making a comeback, um, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the time... Time will tell, but I do think this is a really great moment. It would have been really cool to see majority female uh, uh, directors nominated because that really would have felt like a tipping point as opposed to still like a couple of slots. Uh, is is like so historic. You've never gotten two slots before, ladies. You know, you're, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, Chloe has this sewn up. Manx underperformance, I think, kind of, killed that one for directing, uh, especially no editing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Emerald Finale, I think her, her best shot is for writing. Uh, Thomas Vinterberg is amazing that he got in. Uh, uh, the third, I, I, believe, I believe the third director to be nominated without their film getting in for best picture uh, after Foxcatcher and oh. Cold War. Um, yeah. You know, so that's really cool, and I love that film. Uh, but yeah, I feel like the way that race sh- shook out, you know, and even Aaron Sorkin, if that film could potentially win Best Picture, and I think it still could, because um, it did exactly what Green Book did um, in the nominations. Uh, so, uh, well, let's yeah, talk about but, Picture because we kind of skipped over what what we're predicting. Well, can I say something about the directing category yeah. real quick before we move on? Because I do want to, you know, um, uh, like Spike Lee was a, a front runner all season long until the precursors started coming out. And I do want to, you know, like uh, feeling like we, you know, we accomplished that. I feel like that was maybe how they felt after they gave him the Oscar for Black Klansman. Like we never have to worry about that again. I hope that's not the case. Um, But uh, you can see his impact on American cinema by the fact that two of his NYU students, Chloe Zhao and Shaka King, both have films nominated for best picture this year. And they're both multiple nominees, even though Shaq yeah. is not up for directing. So, I mean, he is up for writing, um, which and is great. Producing, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, I hope that Black Klansman wasn't the end of Spike Lee's uh, tenure at the Oscars. Um, but, you know, his, his impact on American cinema and, and 
filmmakers of not just this generation of, of Zhao and Chaka King, but generations to come is certainly felt. So while it stings to have taken him out of my predictions finally at the last moment and to see that come to fruition, um, you know, it, it's the Academy look, it's bad for the Academy to not have him and, and the Five Bloods nominated. And this is a really great best director lineup, by the way. There's not a single person in this category who I would have taken out uh, to replace him with. We need more nominees and directors, the point. Mm -hmm. um, well, I've been on this Minari train for a while thinking it would win Best Picture, but that editing snub we mentioned really hurts. Um, it did get actor, it did get supporting actress and director and screenplay, but I think I'm gonna just go with the flow and pick Nomadland, which did get editing. It got everything it needed, Nomadland did. Uh, it didn't necessarily overperform, but it got six, which is, you know, fair number. And I will say this, if Minari wins SAG Ensemble, which I think it will, and if it wins Producers Guild, then I will switch to Minari. But as of right now, I'm putting Minari down in second and I'm going to put Nomadland in first place. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually, so my, my guild card right now is um, I have Nomadland winning DGA, I have Minari winning SAG Ensemble, and I have Trial of the Chicago 7 winning PGA. Um, mm -hmm. That just, it seems like a PGA winner, you know, it's prestigious producers, it was a, a, a big production and, uh, you know, a, a production with a long history. Um, so I could, I could see that, sort of taking that. But I do believe this is a, a, a race between uh, Nomadland and Minari, and it's Nomadland's to lose at this point. Um, I, unless, like you, like you say, Marcus, if, if Minari were to like, upset at PGA. Um, right, that, that would, would be, be a big narrative. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that, you know, like it's so funny because I, I, I predicted a spoiler in Supporting Actor, but I predicted the wrong spoiler. I predicted David Strathairn. And so that was the only acting nominee that I got wrong. I, you know, humble brag, got 19 out of 20. <laughs> um, but um, I thought for a second they were gonna go with him when, um, you know, right before they read Lakeith's name because of, of alphabetical, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, Nomadland, you know, it, it wasn't a major, like double digit nominee, but it got into, tech categories, it got into above the line categories. Um, it's got pretty much everything you need to be a best picture winner. We just need to see if, you know, it's going to be a, be a victim of over expectations, right? Because we see this all the time with these smaller, uh, more intimate movies that are the best picture front runner. I'm thinking of things like Boyhood, for instance, um, where once it becomes a front runner, Oscar voters watch it and they say, really? Well, I'm mm -hmm. going with something a little bit more traditional like Trial of the Chicago 7, for instance. I think though Trial is, is hurt by things like Daniel Kaluuya um, overtaking Sasha Baron Cohen and supporting actor or Emerald Fennell possibly winning screenplay over Aaron Sorkin. So it's, it starts to like chip away at the number of things that it can possibly win. Um, but um, that's my long rambling way of saying that I'm picking Nomadland for now until uh, I potentially switch over to Minari again. 
I I was predicting Nomadland before this. I still am pending what the guilds do. Um, I think Minotti could win the SAG award. I also think Trial of the Chicago 7 could do that. Um, and I think Trial of the Chicago 7 does look potentially good for a Producers Guild nomination. I'm wary of, even with Aaron Sorkin's snub for Best Director, Trial of the Chicago 7 is looking so much like Argo and Green Book because, <clears throat> you know, Green Book also got everything it needed except for director. It got in editing, writing, acting, um, and it, it overtook films that had everything to win Best Picture. <clears throat> and if Trial of Chicago 7 wins Best Picture, it, I think it's going to pull an Argo and win screenplay and editing, as its other mm -hmm. two. So it's, 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 I'm so wary of that film still. Um, and because the film isn't the front runner, it's not having those same kind of expectations. And it's sort of like this traditional, cr rousing, crowd-pleasing you know, courtroom drama that you'd, you'd expect to be more of an Oscar kind of movie. Um, you know, could also be hurt by the Netflix factor if there's still some bias against it. The only two Netflix movies actually made the best picture lineup after it seemed like there, there could be as many as four. Um, uh, so like if, if, if voters are like, yeah, we're still not into Netflix, then Nomadland. And then I would say the next tier right behind are Minari and Promising Young Woman, because Promising also got the big four, acting, writing, directing, and editing, uh, along with Nomadland. Uh, it feels less likely uh, to win Best Picture to me, but I think it, it has to be considered a strong contender because of those nominations. Um, when you, you were going backwards from if Trial wins Picture, what else would it win? Doing that with Minari, I mean, it's gonna win, let's say it wins Picture. It'll also probably win Supporting Actress and Original Screenplay, and is that it? I think it would have to win screenplay because it would have to, yeah, yeah, for a movie that is not like a huge. Because I think the last movie that won Best Picture without winning either screenplay or director was Gladiator, and that was a great big technical juggernaut. Um, you know, it only won five out of I think twelve nominations. Gladiator, um, but you know, it it had it won an acting prize and it won uh, three tech awards. Um, so, you know, it, it had enough to kind of make up for that deficit in, in writing and directing. But yeah, I mean, I guess like, I would say score was a possibility since it got into that and it's a beautiful score, but um, I think Soul has probably got that sort of in the bag at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it, here, here's the thing though, like predicting best picture in the preferential ballot like we've seen all these movies win with these tiny number of, of victories overall, right? Whereas things like Gravity and La La Land have, have won the lion's share of prizes. You know, the, the, the day of the big Oscar sweeper is, is long past until the preferential ballot is done away with. So it's not inconceivable that something like Minari could win Best Picture and Best Supporting Actress, it's not inconceivable that it could win Best Picture and nothing else, just because of how bizarre the, the preferential ballot makes it. You know, remember, it's like your number one votes, but then your number two and number threes are also as important. And I feel like that movie could be a lot of people's number two or number three vote. Now, I feel the same way about Nomadland and Trial of Chicago 7 which I think makes them sort of neck and neck for that. Um, uh, Promising Young Woman, 
I feel like could be a bit more of a, I don't want to say divisive movie because it did get six nominations, but you know, I could see a lot of people being turned off by that and maybe ranking it dead last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can but see I do, I, I do think it's like any film that I'm going to be predicting to win actress and screenplay, I'm going to have to rank high up in my best picture predictions. Right. Nomadland 2 is, is a little bit controversial in terms of people finally seeing it after all these months and maybe it doesn't live up to their hype or their, their hopes or expectations, but I don't know. Does that mean people may rank it low? I don't know this whole, I, I am not good at predicting best picture in this era. I, I have not gotten it right the past several years. So I, I really want to get it right this year. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, it looks like Nomadland is the way to go at, as of today, March 15th. I, I yeah. feel like I could, Oh, go ahead, Daniel. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, the, the whole preferential ballot thing does throw a wrench into it. I do feel like of all of the films uh, in that top tier, Minari is the one that seems the least likely to rank low on ballots. Right. Uh, like, it just feels, it's such a hug of a movie. Like, just this warm, lovely, you know, sentimental, but not like, you know, maudlin movie that, 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 that that's really, really going to be, I think, you know, if it's not your favorite movie, it's going to be in your top three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I can see people ranking Trial low, I can see people ranking Nomadland low, I can see people ranking Promising Young Woman low. But again, I would have thought people would have ranked, there would have been enough people to rank Green Book low that, would have, that, that it wouldn't have necessarily won. Like even mm-hmm. if it had a lot of supporters, like I thought it would have enough detractors that it wouldn't necessarily be a thing. Um, so <laughs> you never know. And we should also say like, you can win Best Picture with just, enough number one votes on the first round, which is is what I think happened last year. I think that Parasite won on the first round with enough number one votes because it had such passionate support. And I could see Nomadland being that movie that gets, I think it's 51% or 50% plus one, whatever whatever crazy math it is that they work out yeah. for this. They invented new math just exactly. for one category. <laughs> But I could see Nomadland being that film, you know, considering that it's going to win director and probably adapted screenplay. So it's probably the front runner in cinematography right now and a potential winner for best actress. Um, I could, I could see this being like a first round number one winner. Um, and then that's that, but we, we don't know. Cause it's, it's mm-hmm. so, you know, there's no way to really tell, um, what kind of year it's going to be in that regard. Well, I think we have rambled long enough. Um, the sun's just about to come out here. So I want to thank everyone for watching. And we will be doing many more of these in the next oh, month and a half until the Oscars air on ABC. Uh, they still haven't announced if there will be a host or not. So I'm assuming that means there won't be. Um, but thanks everyone for watching. Go to Gold Derby right now and make your winner predictions for the Oscars. You could also predict things like the BAFTAs and all of those guilds. There's like 10 guild um, award events in our prediction center you can predict as well as some reality shows. So thanks everyone for watching. Come back. Uh, We'll see you again.